We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I'm so glad that you tuned in right now and that you're listening because we have a special guest in studio today. Her name is Mara Petro. Hers is a cautionary tale and a testimony of God's faithfulness. I don't want to steal too much of her story and tell you too much about her right now, but we had the privilege of working together a couple of weeks ago now, I guess, or a little over a week ago. We were both speakers at a conference, um, at a women's conference, and I got to hear Mara's story in person, up close and personally, and was so blessed by just how it honors and glorifies God, every bit of it. And so Mara, it's just a joy to have you here this morning. Thanks for getting up at Oh my goodness, Darko 30 to be with us. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And tell us, you know, I, I said I didn't want to steal too much of your story, which I don't, but tell me a little bit about your um, role with Abundant Life. Um, yeah, last year I founded a ministry, co-founded a ministry called Abundant Life Women's Ministries with my very good friend, Melissa Dyke. And we offer hope, help, and healing in Jesus Christ. Uh, We try and help women fall in love with Jesus so they can live abundantly for him. Mm. We try to inspire the church to be a voice for the voiceless and a safe place to turn to for a woman in a crisis pregnancy and and a place of hope and healing for those Mm. who have uh, suffered the devastating effects of abortion. Gotcha. And and. And as we walk through your story this morning, we'll get to hear how God moved you into such a place. But before we get to all of that, we just want to, I just want my listeners to get to know you a little bit. So tell us just a little bit about you. Are you from West Michigan? No. Well, I've only been here six years. Okay. Um, I'm actually born and raised in Southern California. Woo woo! Yeah, <laughs> I know. Southern California I know. girl. California sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was born into a military family. My dad was a Marine, so I was born on Camp Pendleton Marine Corps Base in Oceanside. And then we grew up, or I, we lived in East County. I don't know if you know about East County. No, I don't. Santee, Lakeside, El Cajon, to anyone out there from there. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I rode horses and um, was part of rodeo a little bit, did a little barrel racing. All right. (laughs) Yeah, and then migrated west towards the beach uh, when I was kind of on my own, so... Gotcha. So growing up in a military family, what was that like? Did you move around quite a bit? We did. We did. Even though I was born and raised there, we there was three years. We left California to live in Florida for a few years at mm-hmm. Key West. And then we went back to California. And that's where my dad retired. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit about, about childhood. Um, what was family life like? Um, you could say it was the epitome of dysfunction, mm. sadly. Um, I love my parents. They're still here today um, in Florida, but my dad was an alcoholic and he was an abuser. So it was, it was really rough. Uh, I lived in fear pretty Mm -hmm. much all the time. So it wasn't fun. And it, uh, it um, sent me on a path that, uh, you know, wasn't good for me Mm -hmm. because I didn't have any wisdom from which to make good decisions. Yeah. And I had a very skewed view of love. Did you have any, um, exposure to faith as a kid? No, we did go to church, you know, Christmas, Easter, you know, those kinds of things. I actually went through confirmation classes, but I had no idea what it meant. Mm -hmm. There was no, that I remember, no preaching of the gospel, no talk of a relationship with Jesus. There was no reading the Bible or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mara, there was something that happened in 1986 that kind of shaped mm-hmm. your yourself, your story, your life. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, I was working. Um, 
uh, in, as a dental assistant, actually, and uh, leaving work one night. It was raining really hard in California, and there's this area where it floods uh, under this bridge. And I saw other cars making it through, but um, and so I thought I could, but my little Volkswagen wagon rabbit did not make it. Mm. It stopped right in the middle of the rising water. Oh, my. Well, yeah. Fortunately, a really kind couple stopped to pick me up and take me to a gas station so I could call for help. That was the days before cell phones. And um, as I began to rummage through the bottom of my purse looking for change to, to call for help, uh, a man came up behind me and attacked me. Um, he was groping me everywhere, trying to pull me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was yelling and screaming and kicking and punching, um, which deterred him a little bit. Uh, people working in the gas station just watched as it happened. Uh, as I cried out for help, they just watched. They didn't do anything. And then uh, people were getting gas uh, would stop to look at in the direction of my cries, but they would just go back to pumping their gas, get in their car and leave. Um, and uh, so I managed to break free and get to the phone, call 911. And as I was telling them uh, what this man was doing to me and that nobody was helping me, um, he came up and hung up the phone. Oh my goodness. And so uh, needless to say, I was terrified thinking that he was going to be able to follow through sure. with what he was threatening, which was to rape me. Um, by the grace of God, uh, it didn't happen. Um, though I didn't know the Lord, then I know he knew me. Mm-hmm. And I think he had angels looking out for me that night because within minutes the police showed up and uh, he went to jail and uh, the gas station was fined for not helping me. So justice was served. Uh, in my case, in that way, but I was really wrecked um, uh, by the by the attack, but more so by the people who stood by and did right. nothing to help me. It really devastated me. It's shocking, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 would be the reaction mm-hmm. that people would not come to help you. How did that impact your heart? What was the you know what was the yeah what was the impact of that? Yeah, well, I was kind of already a mess of a person at that time, not living a really good life. It just made it worse. Uh, I'd really lost all faith in humanity. You know, I just, um, I I've became so filled with rage and anger more so than I already was. Uh, like wishing that man's death and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, and hating those people. It was, it was terrible. Um, so I just kind of went down a dark path even more so after that. Mm-hmm. And then um, you found yourself in a relationship shortly yeah. after that. Yeah, tell us yeah. about that. So I was in a, it was more of a friendship um, with a, a man who was calling, consoling me because I was um, still really messed up from what happened and we drank too much. And um, one thing led to another. We had sex and I got pregnant. And uh, again, I was already a mess of a person making all kinds of bad decisions. I didn't know how I could do this. I was terrified. I was ignorant um, I couldn't tell my parents. I, I didn't have anyone I could go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the only place that I thought could help me, and that was Planned Parenthood. And no. I went. I what was what did they offer you when you got to Planned Parenthood? Well, did they talk no. through what your options were? No, no. I I all I remember is hearing that I was eleven weeks pregnant. I don't remember seeing an ultrasound or getting any type of um, information about what was happening inside my body. It was just, we can take care of your problem. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't realize was that the problem was me, not my unborn baby. Mm. 
How yeah. old were you at this time, Mara? I was 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they say you are 11 weeks pregnant, but we can take care of your problem. That's yes. what they called it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they called it. There yeah. was no offer of any other help or option or care or, or anything. It was just, we can take care of your problem. Mm-hmm. And what decision did you make at that point? Tragically, I made the choice to have an abortion which wrecked me even more than I already was. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it, abortion has scarred me for my life, um, even though God has healed me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, a, it's a scar that you'd carry with you always. Mm-hmm. So catching up on your story a little bit about just a horrific um experience that you had of being assaulted and how that impacted you and not just the assault itself, but how other people didn't come to your rescue. And, mm-hmm. um, you've also shared with us that, you know, childhood life was, was not good that you grew up with an abusive dad. And, um, but there was a point at which, you know, Jesus was with you all along. There was a point at which he revealed himself to you and he became real to you. Yeah. You take us to that point of the story. Sure. I was 24. Uh, when I met my first husband, uh, he was not, he was a backslidden believer. Um, I was not, I was completely hopelessly, desperately lost. Um, but the Lord brought him into my life to share the gospel. Mm. And as soon as he did, I knew it was the truth that I had been looking for my whole life. He told me how much God loved me and that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that I could be forgiven <laughs> mm. and that have eternal life. So I, I, didn't question it for a second. Mm-hmm. Head over heels, fell in love with Jesus. Oh, that's and, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Started going to church and reading my Bible and going to prayer meetings and <laughs> Bible studies. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, now you're married. Oh, no, no, you're not married. You didn't say we, that. We got yet. married. Yeah. My first <laughs> I jumped the story. No, that's fine. <laughs> no. So we shortly, we there shortly thereafter, we got married. Gotcha. Um, one thing significant about that is that when he was asking me to marry him, um, because of the mess that I was and all the mistakes I had made, I didn't want to make another mistake. There was something inside of me that was saying, something's not right with mm-hmm. us. There's something missing and I don't want to make another mistake. And and that's when he shared the gospel with me because that was the missing piece. He hadn't shared that mm-hmm. when we first met. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, just proof that, you know, it was the Lord um, wooing me to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the two of you got married. We got married. And then uh, five years later, we had our wonderful son, Zach. Uh, We named him Zachary, which comes from Zechariah, which means Yahweh remembers, God Mm -hmm. remembers. And we named him that because it took five years for him to come along. And I didn't think that I'd be able to have children. And I knew I didn't deserve them. So I was profoundly grateful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did, um, as Hannah did, you guys were talking earlier about Hannah dedicating Samuel. Yeah, I did what she did. I dedicated Zach to the Lord from my womb and every day after he was born, because I just wanted him to, to know the Lord mm-hmm. and have a, a better life. That's and, beautiful. So he did. He's yeah. being raised by a mom and a dad who are loving Jesus mm-hmm. and pursuing Jesus. And yes. what was family life like for you guys? It was really good in the beginning. The first half of our marriage was pretty good, despite the fact that we both came from very dysfunctional families. And uh, we brought a lot of baggage into the marriage. So we didn't, we didn't have good communication skills. 
Uh, so we struggled quite a bit. Um, but God in his grace and his mercy used us to plant a church in Montana. And mm. uh, we served there for seven years until 9-11 happened. And then my husband went into the military. And it was then that things began to crumble. <clears throat> the foundation that I had built um, was on sand. <laughs> I put a lot of hope and expectation in my husband and my mm-hmm. son to meet needs that only Jesus could. Mm-hmm. And um, so in Okinawa, where we were living, uh, we grew further apart rather than closer together under the stress and strain of living in a foreign country. And mm. uh, he was unhappy and told me so and said he didn't really want to be together anymore. And uh, I made a stupid decision, reverted back to my old ways and um, fell prey to somebody who did want me. Mm. So I had an affair, my second greatest regret. Isn't it just like, I'm hearing you, as I'm hearing you tell your story, I'm thinking about times in my own life where it's, we reach out for the tangible, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Jesus is right in front of us and saying, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm going through this right now in some ways, you know, that, that God's reminding me I am enough and I am right here. And I'm like, the things that we seek and the things that we reach out for to try to fill that. Yes. Absolutely. And this was just one of those. Exactly. Yeah. It was, absolutely. So did your marriage survive that? Unfortunately not. I tried. I repented. Um, I t- got counseling. I, you know, I didn't want it to end, but, um, you know, that's pretty devastating for mm-hmm. someone to continue uh, living with. So we, we got divorced, sadly, and it hurt a lot of people. Divorce is so painful and, uh, yeah, it's not good. But God is gracious. But God, right? <laughs> and, you know, thank you for sharing too. Like, I think there is in some circles, maybe even in our own minds, this idea that there's life before we met Jesus and then you meet Jesus and it's just all unicorns and rainbows like for the rest <laughs> no. of your life until you get to heaven. And that has not been my story. Not mine either. <laughs> no, you know, and it's like, and I, I love that Jesus said, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble and some of my trouble is of my own making, mm-hmm. my own decision making and and that sort of thing. But God is so faithful yes. to be with us through it all. So at this point, were you walking with Jesus throughout this time? Well, I believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I said I believed in him. I said I loved him and, and I felt that I did. I was going to church, reading my Bible, okay. doing all that stuff, yeah. you know? But <clears throat> what I've learned later, what I've learned um, looking back on that time is that he wasn't enough for me. Though I believed in him, my heart was not wholly devoted to him. I was divided. You know, my I allowed my husband and my son to be kind of become idols to me. I, mm-hmm. I expected so much from them to fulfill me and complete me. You know, I was more captivated by their love yeah. than God's. And that's, you know, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Well, I think that, I think that um, recipe, recipe for disaster, may it be, I think that resonates with our listeners. You know what I mean? Like family, mm-hmm. my husband, mm-hmm. my kids, like, I mean, that's, that's America. That's the culture, right? Like as moms, we're like, our husbands, our kids, they're our everything. Yep. But that's not God's good and perfect plan. no. Jesus is supposed to be our everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we get the pleasure of being in relationship with a spouse and having children. Exactly. Like he blesses us with those things. But let's back up a little bit then to like, so you 
you and your husband, your marriage didn't survive the affair. No. Okay. So pick me up, pick up right there in your story. Yeah. So after the divorce, I was a mess all over again. I wandered and wallowed in self-pity and self-indulgence. Um, moved out of California to Washington, D.C. Uh, to work as a flight attendant. And um, just during that time, you know, Jesus, when you are his, he doesn't let go, mm-hmm. even though you might let go. He's mm-hmm. faithful, even though we're unfaithful. You know, while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us right. because of God's great love. So he only let me go so far. Um, and one night I found myself in a puddle, <laughs> with my face in the carpet and just crying and begging and pleading for his mercy and forgiveness all over again. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to me in that, in my head, you know, not audibly, right. just reminding me that I love you and I have forgiven you now return to your first love. Mm. And so I did, I started reading my Bible again, going back to church and yeah. Yeah. The healing began. The healing began. Mm-hmm. God's goodness and God's healing. And at that point, um, I'm guessing there was the realization that he needed to be first, not yes. anything or anyone else. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because he had removed so many things from mm-hmm. my life, so many people from my life yeah. that were idols. And, uh, and so, yes, I am very grateful and thankful for my experiences because now I know that he is everything I need for life and godliness, mm-hmm. as it says in Second Peter. And I'm, I have more joy and peace and contentment in life than I could have ever imagined having. We're going to kind of push pause right there on Mara's story. She's going to continue to be with us and continue to tell her story this morning. But I just want to challenge you a little bit, if I can. If, if you're married and, you know, this word about your spouse... Um, is not meant to be your everything. If that kind of like makes you stop and do a double take, the Lord might be trying to get your attention in that. Or maybe it's your kids or your kids um, coming before the Lord because he's a jealous God and he doesn't tolerate idols. So maybe the Lord is speaking to you right now into that. I just, I want you to know from his heart to yours that God is enough. And if you're feeling a conviction on your heart right now, It's an opportunity for you to turn to him and let him speak to you and let him tell you, I am enough. All right, so let's catch up then on you kind of recommitting your life to Jesus. Is that fair to say that? Oh, absolutely. Rededicated my life to Jesus. Started going back to church, reading my Bible again, and then just the word of God and the fellowship of other believers was that healing balm that my wounded soul needed. And, um, in uh, 2016, as I was working as a flight attendant, I met my husband, Mark. We married in 2017, but I met Mark. Um, I call him my very own Superman because he's just <laughs> such a wonderful, sweet guy, and he can do anything and everything. And um, when I told Mark my ugly, shameful past, he didn't reject me. Mm. He loved me still, just like Jesus. And so... Yeah, we have a we have a good thing going because we don't expect each other to complete each other. Mm, that's we know very that only good. Jesus can. So right. we're able to love each other freely as for each other, you know. Man, that's a beautiful thing. That, yeah. I mean, we could do a whole segment just on yeah. that, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do I just I'm so passionate about this particular subject about not seeing your spouse as your savior. Mm, yeah. But letting Jesus be your savior mm-hmm. and then showing up in your marriage in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So, so let's yeah, let's okay. keep going from there. So you well, met Mark. Yep, I met Mark, and we got married in 2017. And um, I learned over looking back from my past and all, how the Lord was beginning to heal me and restore me. I learned um, Romans eight thirty five through thirty nine. Very well, if you allow me to read it. Yes, please. Sure. So it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, not even me, mm-hmm. will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. our Lord. So that just became very real to me. You know, also reflecting on Genesis fifty twenty, where Joseph says, what the enemy intended for evil, God intends for good. And that is so true and real in my life. He has just used it all. Um, though I regret the abortion, of course I always will. And the affair, of course, mm-hmm. always regret those terrible sins. But God has brought beauty out of ashes. He mm-hmm. has redeemed the years that the locusts have eaten. And he's used this in my life to help me offer hope and help and healing to others. Yeah. When regret starts to feel like personal unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's, okay, yes, God mm-hmm. is so gracious and so good. And his mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. And he's so beautiful and all of those things. But sometimes we wrestle with almost kind of like a self-abuse. Oh, absolutely. About, oh, the, thing- <laughs> about the things of the past. You resonate with that a little bit? Oh, totally. <laughs> okay. For years I lived there. Okay. Yes. So what are the tools that you've learned for, right. you know, when that seems to be like larger than God's love as far as like what we're seeing and what we're mm-hmm. experiencing? We know it's not, mm-hmm. but when it feels like it is. Mm-hmm. Well, because of abortion, the the effects of abortion leave a wound unlike any other, and it festers if it's not dealt with. So there's, um, society doesn't allow a post-abortive person to grieve because mm-hmm. it was your choice, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're not given time and space to be able to grieve and mourn the loss of your child. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, I was um, introduced to a ministry called Deeper Still. It's in a, It's a healing retreat. You go away for two and a half days and you just bask in the presence of the Lord. Mm. You're washed in the water of the word. You're loved by the body of Christ in a way that I hadn't experienced um, up until then. Of course, a couple of my churches offer that same thing that I've been a part of. But this retreat was just a time to be reconciled to the Lord. And then um, I also read a book called Go in Peace, and a Bible study called Forgiven and Set Free. So I worked through mm-hmm. the process of grieving, uh, acknowledging what I had done. I had taken the life of my child. Mm-hmm. It's important that we acknowledge that in order to be able to heal. Mm-hmm. And then just reconciling with the Lord, just receiving his forgiveness, believing his forgiveness. You know, we have to believe the gospel in order to be saved. We have to believe the gospel in order right. to be healed. Mm-hmm. So... That's what I'm doing now. Yeah. (laughs) Believing him. We were talking off air a little bit and you just made this super powerful statement about how an important part of your journey has been owning your stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of your stuff was not your doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, was done to you. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what you mean by that when you say owning your stuff? Sure. 
Well, we're all born sinners, right? So even though there could be abuse that's inflicted upon us, how I act afterwards is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. I can't blame my father for losing my virginity at 15 because he didn't care uh, or for setting me off on a path of looking for love in all the wrong places. I can't blame my family for that. Those are still my choices. Yeah, I didn't have the foundation that a lot of other people have, you know, that good, healthy upbringing with good wisdom and sound judgment and all that. Um, But uh, I'm still responsible for those decisions that I chose to make that inflicted even more Mm -hmm. pain and suffering in my life. The attack, you know, my response to that uh, at first was so much anger and bitterness and rage. And, And a lot of people will tell you, yeah, that's okay. That's understandable. That's expected. You should, you know, live in that, but no, that's destructive. Mm. So, um, again, Jesus, while we were yet sinning, forgave us, died for us. He said on the cross, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So as a child of God, as a redeemed daughter of God, I had to look back in my, at my past and own my peace of the past mm. in order to make peace with my past. So I have, I, I, you know, I was responsible for the failing of my marriage. And so um, I don't, you know, harbor any iniquity towards uh, my first husband. He's a good man. He's a great dad. And um, so I just, I just understand and believe that God wants me to forgive as much as he has forgiven me, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. (laughs) So there's freedom in forgiveness. Yeah. There's definitely a link between, you know, understanding God's forgiveness and being able to forgive yourself. And if, if the more we understand God's forgiveness towards us and how lavish that is and how extreme mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think that's kind of like what opens up the door to honesty, right? Yes. Like in vulnerability, like mm-hmm. personally and owning your stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You, there's no peace living uh, with anger and bitterness or unresolved, um, now you can't always have peace with everybody. The Bible says to right. make peace as far as it is possible with you. Sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. but you have to let that go. And you know, the Bible says to forget those things that are behind, you know, leave the past and move on to the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. That's where peace and freedom and abundant life is, is living in that space. Someone listening right now, Mara is has been in you know has part of their story is part of your story right that they've made this decision to have an abortion and we actually just got a call from a husband who lovingly wants to minister to his wife who who wrestles with and carries the weight of dis- the decision that she made to take her child's life how can he minister to her what would you say to the person who's wrestling with that and carrying the weight of that decision oh uh, thank you for the question. It's the hardest thing to to reconcile with the fact that you've taken your child's life, and it you need a support system. You need people that can love you and accept you, mm-hmm. and not judge you or condemn you for it. To help you navigate those feelings of grieving the loss, repenting first and foremost. The Bible says that we need to repent of our sins and be reconciled to God. So that's key to acknowledge what we did mm-hmm. was wrong. Um, so accept that and accept God's grace and His forgiveness, and and be 
given space to mourn and loss the loss of your child. It's so key to healing. And for the husband that wants to minister to his wife, God bless you, because <laughs> that's what we need. Just yeah. love her and, and hold her and give her time and space to talk about it. Ask her about it and just sit with her. Don't try and fix it. You can't. Yeah. You know, just love her through it. And I would be happy to encourage her. Uh, there are ministries available, like I said, deeper still. I lead Forgiven and Set Free Bible Study for post-abortive women. There's also another one called Go in Peace. So there are ministries and people who will love her through this healing and grieving process. And these ministries are for not just, you know, someone who, you know, had an abortion last year, last week, last oh, month. These yeah. are for anyone who has been through anyone, that Anyone, doesn't matter whether it was 40 years ago or yesterday. I know many who had them 40 years ago and some just two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's actually better to deal with it sooner than later. Um, but for the one who's carried it for a long time, I know a wonderful woman who, who was just healed and set free. And boy, is she just a new person mm-hmm. <laughs> because she dealt with it. Yeah. You know, we so want to just stuff it and not deal with it. And it will always come back until it's dealt with. This this image is coming to me. I just saw this this week and it's these, um, I think it was Steve Norman who shared it. It's a friend of ours and he works at Winning at Home. But it's uh, an image of three jars and it was um, talking about grief, but it's it shows that the, the jar keeps, uh, or excuse me, that, that this rock, this grief gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then there's an image down below. And it's not that grief gets smaller. It's that we grow around the grief. Grief mm. remains a part of our lives, mm-hmm. but we get to grow around it. Mara, I just want to thank you so much for telling your story, for being here this morning, for showing being honest about the wrestlings of your story and like what comes with the decision, you know, to take your child's life, to have an abortion and God's goodness and his healing and mm. how he has just used you, your story and your life to point other people back to him. Isn't yeah. that just like, what God, it's he's such, so awesome. Yeah. Such an honor and a privilege. Oh, I just love him so much. Yeah. Somebody's listening this morning mm-hmm. and they are in a situation where it's an unwanted pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They just don't feel like they're ready for parenthood. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Well, I've been there and uh, I hope and pray that you don't make the decision that I did because it will leave you with regret for the rest of your life. There's hope. There's help available to you. Um, there are organizations, uh, Positive Options, Alpha Women's Center, Family Life Center, who can help you navigate your pregnancy and give you literally all the help you need. Mm. I just had the privilege of witnessing a turnaround at the abortion clinic where I was standing with a friend. She was praying, waiting for an opportunity to help somebody change their mind. And God gave her favor Mm-hmm. And the young woman changed her mind and they gave her everything she needed. She has a complicated pregnancy. They put her in touch with a doctor who can, who specializes with, um, you know, complicated pregnancies. So there is hope and help available. Your child's not a mistake. They're not a burden. They're being intentionally created by the hand of God, being fearfully and wonderfully knit together in your womb. And they're a gift mm-hmm. regardless of how they were conceived The circumstances of our conception do not determine our worthiness to live. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you to be brave and ask for help. Mm -hmm. There is help 
And you can do this with God's help and with the help of those that he has provided in these ministries. And you listed off a bunch of ministries. Um, Rather than having you list them again, I think if you're interested in any of those ministries, just text us and let us know. It's totally anonymous. Just text us and let us know you want the resources and we'll just get them to you. Mm -hmm. So want to be able to just place in front of you everything that you need for the decision that's in front of you Mm -hmm. so that we can make an educated decision, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing all the facts. That's what I wish I had. Yeah. Absolutely. So So thank you again, Mara, for sharing your story this morning. God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's a good, good plan. And I got to tell you, and, and I'm speaking this one from experience. There isn't anything in front of you that the King of Kings can't walk you through. Mm-hmm. I, if what you're looking at feels incredibly hard and you're like, I am not made of this stuff to be able to accomplish this, then I would love to introduce you to the King of Kings because he is made of the stuff that can help you to accomplish this. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.